podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Nathan Fairburn, writer, colorist, and letterer of the new series Lake of Fire from Image Comics, and you are listening to THN, Two-Headed Nerd, with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 263, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, August 25th. My name is Matt Baum. Wednesday, Wednesday. August 31st. Yeah, that too. 25th was last week. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing this week. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. Sitting across from me is... The variant cover artist of Pecos Bill, number four. Yeah. Mr. Joe Patrick. Just got a care package in the mail from Brian DuPont. It's awesome. Hey. You can follow me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And of course, you can follow this train wreck of a show at Two Headed Nerd. Also on Twitter. There you go. We're on we're on the Twitters. We're all over the tweeters. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Our Mother, number one, and Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens. After that, we'll make quick work of 10 more of this week's comics during a Labor Day edition of the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where Joe and I are emailing the Pope and discussing a couple of next week's comics. And finally, one nerd will be called to defend their questionable taste in front of the two-headed judge for our Defenders segment. But before we start blaming hackers for overstating our qualifications in our website bios, let's get ready for another THN Fantasy Football Challenge more on that later. Didn't football start already? College football. Oh, okay. Good. God, pay attention. Hey. And then we can talk about the big news! We got big news! This past week, Marvel has teased a new project with a different image each day that featured writer Cullen Bunn's name, one of several artists, and the initials M.U. Now, the mystery project has been revealed to be a new title, Monsters Unleashed. The name was unveiled at Marvel's presentation at the Diamond Retailer Summit in Baltimore. Bunn will write the series, joined by artists Salvador LaRocca, Lanil Yu, Steve McNiven, Greg Land, and Adam Kubert. I was going to say, three of those names really excite me. (laughs) No details on the series beyond the title and its logo, and the creators were revealed, but the name itself has a history at Marvel. The name Monsters Unleashed comes from one of the old black and white horror magazines uh, Marvel put out in the mid-70s. And they featured stories about Man-Thing and Frankenstein's monster and Dracula and the Legion of Monsters. Super cool. The new Monsters Unleashed, whatever it is, is scheduled to begin in January 2017. Matt, another Cullen Bunn Marvel project. I know. Will we care about this one? We have this weird relationship with Cullen Bunn. We both do. I love the dude. We love Cullen Bunn. Love him. Don't love him as much when he's writing for Marvel. I don't. <laughs> I just am not into it any is. of the books that he's put out yeah. at Marvel. I like. I I love his stuff. And when literally when he's anywhere else, yeah, maybe not DC, but when he's anywhere else, like well, right. doing his own creator his, stuff. His creator own work is outstanding. It's fantastic. It's just and maybe. Because this is a Monsters Unleashed book and it's just Marvel monsters and there's nothing to lose that can do whatever. Maybe he can have a lot of fun with this. I don't know. I have an affinity for the Marvel monsters and it seems like every creator that you'll ever meet loves all the Marvel monsters because they were ridiculous. Not just Frankenstein and Dracula and stuff, but there was like, you know, like 
Urk, the monster from the sun, you know, it, and the like, living colossus. Yeah, you know, all these ridiculous monsters that showed up in New York and trashed the place. You yeah. know, I mean, so this could be fun. I, again, it depends what Cullen Bun we get. You know, right. I'm glad he's working. Sure, yeah. I mean, I've got nothing against the and guy. I love the guy. I really do. And, you know, say what you will about some of these artists. These are pretty big names at Marvel, uh, though they are the same big names that Marvel has been trotting out for the last 15 plus years. Right, right. But still, I like Steve McNiven. I like Linnell Francis U a lot. You know, this could be good. Yeah. And a no. big, stupid monster book. I'm into that. I sure. Just, I just hope it's good. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a monthly. I don't know. We'll see. What if it, ooh, What if they brought back like the old black and white magazine? They won't. It'll get canceled immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one will buy it. <laughs> you can't store that shit anywhere. Joe Patrick at last week's Diamond Retailer Summit. DC Comics announced their upcoming Justice League versus Suicide Squad event because yeah. they are the only two super teams in the Right, DC yeah, Universe yeah. as we know it. As well as the upcoming writer of the beleaguered Justice League of America title. Newly exclusive DC writer Steve Orlando will helm JLA. This JLA book will spin out of the six issue Justice League versus Suicide Squad event written by Joshua Williamson with art by Jason Fabok. It will, quote, reintroduce a supervillain that hasn't been seen for some time, according to Diamond. In their own description, DC refers to the villain as an evil threat, once thought lost to the DC Universe. Let's call a shot. Steppenwolf. <laughs> okay, well, there was those rumors about Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf like, is all up in the uh, deleted scenes for Superman yeah, v. Batman. Yeah, maybe. I don't Look, know. I, I think it's a perfectly... Please don't let it be Steppenwolf. I think that's a perfectly good educated guess, but I would guess the band might take umbrens with that. Yeah, Umbridge, not umbrens. Here's a bit of description that DC released. Quote, the day that Amanda Waller has long dreaded has finally come to pass. The Justice League has discovered the existence of Task Force X. Back up. <laughs> what? New 52, man. They just discovered them? <laughs> New 52, Suicide Squad. It's still a secret. New continuity. Don't dwell on it. America's paragons of truth and justice won't take well to a government-sponsored team of black ops supervillains with bombs implanted in their heads. But before the Justice League can shut down the Suicide Squad, a bigger problem looms. Another deadly strike team. Oh, a team. Another deadly strike team is lurking in the shadows. One that could expose dark secrets throughout the DC universe with ties to the hidden truths of rebirth. So uh, another team that's not the suicide squad. Yeah. Okay. Longtime enemies such as Batman and Deadshot, the flash Task force X, Y, <laughs> <laughs> the flash and boomerang. Why are they calling it? Even the movie called him Captain Boomerang. Are you too good for it? I know. And Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn will have to put aside their differences when an evil threat once thought lost to the DCU makes their return, end quote. So it's not a versus at all. It's a team up. I guess. Maybe they fight and then they team up, which is classic uh, comic book team up trope. Yeah, you know. But I don't know. Is it a, is it a villain as a... Is it a specific villain or is it a villain team? Is uh, it the Injustice League? Well, they said it's the return of a villain, is so it, I assume that villain will have a team. Is it uh, uh, the Legion of Doom? I don't know. Uh, according to Jeff Johns, the story is another building block to rebirth with all our heroes back on board. It's supervillain's turn and the events within will set the stage for rebirth phase two as a surprising team emerges and another piece of the puzzle of the future of the DC universe and the past comes into focus. What the hell? There, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically, look, 
I really don't care about Justice League versus Suicide Squad. I don't care about Suicide Squad. I, I mean, it makes sense from a business business perspective. These are their two most popular team properties right now. But why? I don't understand. Well, <laughs> does it have anything to do with the uh, crappy movies that we've seen mil- recently? Millions of people <laughs> would disagree with you. Ugh. But if they're going to tie a bunch of Rebirth stuff into it, yeah. like the mystery yeah. and what's going on, I'm curious. Ultimately, though, I think that the most exciting piece of this story is Steve Orlando getting a huge gig. Huge come up. Yeah. Really, this is this is gigantic for Orlando. And I think it's great. He's wonderful. Yeah. He, but man, I like that they're taking a chance on a guy like him who's still a relative newcomer to DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, he wrote. I guess Midnighter didn't last too long, did it? No. I mean, I, like, I'm, he's only been around for the past two or three years at DC. Sure. So this is huge. I like that they're taking a chance on a guy like that right. to put some fresh breath into the A JLA. new voice, yeah. An, a nice up-and-coming writer, a new voice. I don't need it to be tied directly to Suicide Squad because I don't care about Suicide Squad because you know Suicide Squad be, sucks. They, they say it's sick. Okay. Let's pause this conversation for one second. Okay. And... Uh, address the fact that when you reviewed Suicide Squad mm-hmm. number one on the show, yeah. I had just read the Rebirth special. Okay. And I thought, man, Matt is being really harsh on this comic. I kind of liked the Rebirth special. Okay. Despite my own disdain for the current Suicide Squad. Right. I read the Rebirth special and went, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. And then I read the comic that you reviewed. Yep. And it was abominably bad. It was terrible. I could not believe it was the same. It was the same title. Terrible. Yeah, and and I don't get it. And you can't just put Jim Lee on the project and expect everyone to go hooray. It's like Jim Lee's star has fallen quite a bit. Okay, and yeah, I mean that this this is a whole separate conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the bottom line is, I don't care about this as yes. an event. Yes. I care about Steve Orlando, and I'm excited to read Justice League of America. I agree with that statement because that that title has had nothing but problems since Brian Hitch it really has. relaunched it. It really I has. don't know, like ten years ago. I would argue, <laughs> has it been? I would argue before that. I mean, it's been quite a while. <laughs> yeah, but okay. on to happier news. Let's look back in the annals of THN history to this nerd bet. Joe said that there would be a live action version of Squirrel Girl within the next five years. We made this bet maybe like a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. Matt said, "No way, sucker." We'll get ready to pay up, Bombstein. Time out. I'm not paying yet, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. According to TV Line, a live action <sighs> New Warriors half hour television show awesome. featuring Squirrel Girl is in development from Marvel Television and ABC this Studios. This makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ABC is reportedly not looking to air it themselves and is instead shopping it around to various. Cable and streaming outlets, much like the Netflix deal and Hulu with the Runaways. Right. Now, while Squirrel Girl has never been featured as part of the New Warriors in the comics, it was later revealed that Squirrel Girl and New Warriors co-founder Speedball, my number one guy, oh God. had a brief romance. Both Anna Kendrick and Stranger Things' is Shannon Purser, a.k.a. Barb. Oh, she was Barb. Yep. Oh. Have expressed interest in playing the character... Why do they have to keep doing this to my beloved New Warriors? Yep. Sorry, buddy. They're going like, to force something in there and try I, and make it funny. And I love Squirrel Girl. I would be thrilled for a Squirrel Girl show. I don't need you to yuck up this, the New Warriors. <laughs> Sorry, bud. I don't need it full of goofs. I don't give a shit about Squirrel Girl. 
And Anna Kendrick is not going to play her in no. a TV show. She's a movie actress. You're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I'd be totally down for Barb to play Squirrel Girl. I mean, whatever. I, I don't. I I don't care about Squirrel Girl at all. I don't care about the New Warriors. And uh, this is not going to see the light of day. I I really highly doubt. I think you underestimate the current popularity of Squirrel Girl. I think you overestimate it. I think there's a few people on Tumblr and stuff, but the sales on the Squirrel Girl comic don't necessarily agree with your estimations. Why don't you take a guess at where the unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 10 checked in on the top 300? Yeah, you keep waving that top 300 Just take list a around like it actually means Just anything. Just take a guess. I don't know. Uh, 80. 157. Sure. Okay. Selling 14,000 copies. Okay. So that is not a rollicking success for Squirrel Girl. Where's it Captain was, Marvel on the list? Archie number 10 beat it. <laughs> yeah, well, Archie number 10 is a huge deal. You know, I understand. Uh, okay. Aquaman Rebirth number one. This would have been. Don't be waving Rebirth. Books. A reorder. <laughs> be, beat it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's Rebirth. Again, doesn't count. Howard the Duck number nine. <laughs> Why, how, where? Where's Howard the Duck on the list? 146. <laughs> where's Captain Marvel on the list? Uh, let's see. Captain Marvel number 96. Oh, okay. Within the top 100. That's better than I Yeah, was. I don't, I mean, there's a lot of people that say stuff on the web. I don't think Squirrel Girl is as big as, <sighs> and as popular as you think she is. Um, I think that she was popular enough for them to insert her into the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. And they've added her into all sorts of their video game properties. It's fan service. That's all uh, it is. I think that I'm going to win this nerd bet. All right. And history will prove we don't have that to I'm on the right side. We'll see what happens. is the big news for this week you like to discuss these stories and all the other terrible things that marvel has done to the new warriors over the years <laughs> you can head over to the thn forums there's a little button that says forums at two-headednerd.com and rap about it in our big news section Every Sunday, Notorious Fuzzy Chaser Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in everyone's favorite digital nerd sanctuary, THM Forums. I was just talking about him. Joe Patrick, what are we asking the nerds this week? Look, does, just because she's got a tail, it doesn't make me a furry. Fuzzy. Or, or how is that different? Because you're a furry if you want to dress up, right? Or no, no, no. A fuzzy wants to dress up. No, a furry wants to dress a furry up. Furry wants to dress up. No, I thought, no, furry wants to have sex with fuzzies. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Like, if you're a furry, you're into it. You're like, yeah, I want a piece of that animal thing. Where does yiffing come in? Is that a thing? I don't want to know. Don't even. Don't Google it. Oh, God. Did we just see something awful? No. (laughs) Don't Google it. This week's question comes from our very own D. Murray, who we'll hear from later in the show. He asks simply, quote, who do you think is the funniest character in comics? Very simple. Okay. Comic funny guys. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to take that to mean, like, it doesn't have to be a comedy comic, but like a character that's known for quips and banter. Sure. Right? You have until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Friday, September 9th, to get us your answer. You can call the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894, and leave us a message. If you're pretty sure that you know the difference between a fuzzy and a furry and a yiffer, or what have you, (laughs) you can send an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. Whatever you do, keep it under two minutes, you will get cut off. If you need more time, head to the THN forums. They're at thnforums.boards.net. There's an answer of the week section. Lots of wonderful people populate it. You can write to your heart's content. 
And then tune in next week, usually on Thursdays, to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. To love it. It's so much better than this show. Yeah, really. Hey, it's review time in the cigarette where Matt and I take a break from our erotic Stranger Things fan fiction to talk about two of this week's comics. Matt, who is Judge Dredd fighting this week? You should read what I've got Barb doing with Steve. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. man. This week I chose... Everybody on that show was underage. You know that, right? Whatever. Except for the sheriff. Actors! <laughs> this week I chose Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens. Number two. I went with number two because number one came out when we were on hiatus. Sure. Yeah. And I wanted to discuss this a little we bit. We read both. Right. It's from Dark Horse. It's written by John Lehman with art by Chris Mooneyham, who used to have my favorite name in comics until we met... What was his name? Mac Chatter. Yeah, Mac Chatter. Who were, it was close, but Mac Chatter beat him. <laughs> 32 pages for $3.99. There's been a long and rich history of Dark Horse's Predator and Aliens versing everyone from Superman to the Witchblade. My favorite being Walt Simonson and Lee Weeks' Tarzan vs. Predator at Earth's Core. That book was awesome. Go find it. The original Batman vs. Predator are pretty good, too. Yeah, that was good, too. I did like that one. And Batman vs. Predator makes sense. I get that. Sure, Batman yeah, they're hunting the most it's, dangerous game. Yeah, it's going to be a struggle, right? One of my main problems with these crossovers is the choice of characters that the Predators <laughs> like, and the aliens are versing. Superman versus Predator! Yeah. Well, spoilers! Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I wonder who's going to win. And they had to, like, depower Superman under a red sun. In Superman versus to Aliens, even, yes. They yeah. took him off planet to where he lost his make powers. make it interesting, you yeah. know? It's just stupid. Yep. When the yeah when the Terminator fought, like, the Predator and the aliens, like, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even if a facehugger latches onto the Terminator, yeah. he's got zero risk. Right. And, like, and even <laughs> if they win, like, well, great, you killed a robot, you know? Yeah. I mean, whatever. Judge Dredd seems to match up a little better. I mean, he's just a guy with a gun that can shoot all kinds of stuff, basically. It's a cool gun. And a really bad attitude. And kind of a fascist. Writer John Lehman definitely puts a nice twist on the story, killing a predator in the first few pages. It's great. It starts off just like all the other predators versus alien, where it's like, they are the fiercest of hunters in the universe. And da da da. And you see the predator and he's running and he looks all tough and he's got his guns. And he turns out. He's being hunted. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Unlike the other hyper-serious, dark, xenomorph predator crossovers I've read, Layman injects just enough snarky humor to keep the comic light and fun to read. The story here is Dredd and his other judges are tracking a group of emoji-based cultists through the <laughs> Alabama morass, where a group of predators have come to hunt, you guessed it, a xenomorph alien. Now, when I say emoji-based cultist, I mean they're literally cultists with emojis burned into their forehead. Like... A happy face or like an eggplant and then the squirt, you know, or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And their leader is like a robot with a computer monitor face that expresses... It doesn't talk. It just makes emoji and he's dressed like the Pope to communicate. And he's got a Pope hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> this isn't groundbreaking comics by any definition, but it's exactly what it needs to be. It's a fun, violent romp full of monsters, mutants, aliens, and predators getting their butts kicked by the meanest cop in Meg City. And, see, and I think what made this so fun is that it was a Judge Dredd story that happened to have predators yes. and aliens in it. It's not some ridiculous like yeah. crossover like, Superman, we've noticed something odd in the F2 system or whatever. Right. I'll go check it out. Oh, there's a red sun here. And why can he fly through space when there's a red sun on the planet that he's going to? 
How come he doesn't just like fly and get a little too close, like oh, and then die? <laughs> uh, well, there are lots of reasons. That's a question One, for a different day. Well, uh, he's a solar battery. Let's and not go into it. Are charged with solar. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I apologize for red sun does not kill him. It just he can't process it. Makes him gassy. Chris Mooneyham <laughs> has been working on some of the other Dark Horse Alien franchise books, like the Prometheus books, for a while now. And I've liked his art in the past. We first saw him on Five Ghosts, which we reviewed on the show a while ago. Yeah, by Frank Barberi. Really enjoyed that book. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his art looking this great, uh, Yeah, I thought this was really gorgeous. Is, this is really good looking. He's come into his loose, scribbled penciling style, and it very much reminds me of like Leonardo Manco meets Lee Weeks. It reminded me a lot of, yeah, guys... Uh, Kind of classic 80s and 90s artists like Ron Wagner and Judge Dredd co-creator uh, Carlos Esquera. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very reminiscent. In Judge the same Dredd style. was definitely like a character that had his heyday in the 80s. And I mean, Predator and Aliens also did. So Mooneyham's art works really well here doing that kind of classic Judge Dredd feel. He's just perfect for drawing all three of the stars of this book. And some, I gotta say, sometimes it's just fun to pick up a comic and read about a tough guy killing monsters. That's what we got here. Yeah. There I'm are, giving this a buy it. There are no, like, subtle no. layers. There are no metaphors. There's no lesson to be learned. Nope. Judge Dredd is chasing lawbreakers, and he gets caught up in the middle of some weird alien shit. And he's not having it. And he's going to kick ass. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be fun. Yeah. And it was fun. It the really first was. two issues of this book were surprisingly good. Yeah. I enjoyed them a lot. I said to Matt before we started recording, I don't think I have ever read a Judge Dredd comic before I now. I find that impossible to believe. I know, like, I've seen all the movies, and I know about Judge Dredd, and I've read about Judge Dredd. When you Dredd. say all the movies, you mean the Sylvester the, Stallone. The two movies, yes. And the right. latest Dredd film. <laughs> like, so it's not that I'm unaware of Judge Dredd, I just have never actually sat down and read the classic Judge Dredd comics. Okay. And, you know, I, I like it. I really enjoyed it. I love Judge Dredd. Maybe I, that's why I just maybe Dredd. that's just why I never really made a huge effort to go after it because I already knew so much about Judge Dredd that I felt like I'd been reading it all along. But sure, um, yeah, it's a ton of fun, man. I'm giving it a buy it as well. On a more serious note, Joe. Yeah, my review for this week is the Our Mother one shot from Big Planet Retrofit Comics, which I've, I kind of found out why it's Big Planet slash Retrofit. Big Planet Comics is a comic book store chain in maryland and they are co-publishers of retrofit comics with the people that run retrofit okay it makes sense and so that's why all the books have both their names on them got it so retrofit comics is the name of the publisher co-run and managed by this comic shop gotcha it's written and drawn by luke howard it's 40 pages for nine dollars which seems like a lot but we'll talk about that okay we'll talk about it According to the publisher, Our Mother is a comedy about growing up with a parent who has an anxiety disorder. And while the book certainly does have some funny moments, I'd really hesitate to classify it as a comedy. I found it to be a hauntingly captivating, fearlessly intimate look at what it's like to grow up with mental illness as seen through the lens of a child's imagination. The one shot opens with a page full of more or less identical drawings of a toy car. And the car itself narrates the scene, uh, kind of ruminating on how objects that are tied to fond memories can also dredge up a lot of pain. From there, the story spins into a series of recurring vignettes, running the gamut of genres from noir to sci-fi to fantasy, and even somehow to nonfiction. Each vignette is presented in a strict grid layout with the number of panels varying depending on which story Howard is telling, 
The fantasy story has more room to breathe with only six panels per page, while the more tense sci-fi story is packed into 12 panels. The noir tale is where Howard imagines the origins of his mother's illness packed into a whopping 16 panels per page. This comic, though we read it digitally, um, it should be noted is more or less like square bound. Um, oh, I didn't so know that. So it's not like normal comic dimensions. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Which is why the 16 grid square right. grid works. I didn't even think about that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how much is packed onto the page, Howard's sort of abstract art remains consistently impressive all the way through. His style shifts just slightly from story to story, but it remains recognizable as his. For example, the sci-fi story gets slightly more detailed, while the fantasy story takes on an almost kind of adventure time quality where like... yeah. Lots of like gloopy, blobby backgrounds and things like that. Yeah, it was very subtle. Yeah. The stories themselves are presented in a humorous way, but again, you're never allowed to forget what we're really dealing with here. If you don't simply take everything at face value and instead view the stories through the context of his mother's mental illness, Howard's stories can be utterly heartbreaking. I was especially affected by the tale of the laboratory ape. That's sacrificed. Like he's imagining the development of the drug right. that is ultimately released to help people with anxiety disorder right. and how in his mind, the ape is willingly sacrificing his own well-being yeah. <laughs> to, to bring relief to so many. And I was like, Jesus age Christ. That is just awful. Yeah. <laughs> Howard ends the issue with a Fumetti style transcript of a phone or text conversation with his mother, a brief discussion of his own battle with anxiety Against the backdrop of a farting hot dog. <laughs> uh, if Fumetti, if you're not familiar with the term, is um, comic books, sequential art made from photographs. Yes. Marvel put out a Fumetti comic in the 80s. It was a one shot. It was wonderful. It's completely outrageous. It's hilarious. It's poignant. I was going to put it in my five and forget about it. Right. And I was going to uh, review Equilibrium number one for my main. And I finished this book and I was like, Oh my God, I'm glad one of us did something poignant. I know. I was like, <laughs> like I, we did Equilibrium and judge dread versus <laughs> like, so like, oh, okay. I, I could not talk about it. This one shot was quite a surprise. I was touched and moved and heartbroken by almost every page. And still the book was able to make me laugh when you needed it the most. Don't let the $9 price tag scare you away. I These don't understand that. They're indie comics. I mean, they're. I mean, I guess, yeah. I, you know, the, this is what if this is what it takes to get these made. It's almost like a graphic novella, right? You know, there are no ads in it, so it's yeah. not like they have ad revenue to and cut the cost. One guy did everything, right? I mean, so I mean, yes, it has a publisher, but retrofit com. It's a tiny publisher, right? And this is the sort of indie comic that deserves your support. I'm giving it a buy it. It's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving it a buy it as well. I think it was a comedy in the sense that it very bravely looked at the subject matter and made fun of it. I mean, sure. Not so yeah, much right. like it, it was in a dark way. Yes. Kind of like a Louis CK yes. sort of, you That's know, exactly looking at going. the garbage like and a, trying to find something hilarious like the about definition it. of a black comedy, I guess like the subject matter is really dark and upsetting. And if we can't laugh at it, then we should all just sit around crying about it. Right. And the happy news that you find out by the end of the book, that the, the sort of like release valve, like mom's okay. Yeah. They found a way past it. Right. Um, with therapy and, and the right medication and all these things. Yeah. I mean, it shows this is how he dealt with it. Yep. He's a, he's a funny guy. He's a very talented guy and this is how he dealt with it. And it's a great way to deal with it rather than drinking or right. <laughs> taking drugs. He made funny comics about it and I loved it. I'm giving this a huge buy it. And yes, you should spend $9 on this. I agree. I'll give you 
So that is a double buy it for Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens 1 and 2 and the Our Mother one-shot. Now it's time for you mentally ill emoji-worshipping mutants to play critics, so head over to the thnforums.boards.net and tell us what you thought of these comics. It's Labor Day weekend, and Joe and I are going mudding in the Alabama morass. A couple weeks ago, we used your donations to buy Big Wheel's junked Big Wheel off of Craigslist. After a few hours and some beers in the THN garage with our mechanic, Norbert Ebersol, the fixer, we are ready to swill some of them beers and sling some mud while we review 10 more of this week's new comic story, Ludicrous Speed Round! <laughs> Ludicrous Speed! Go! Eden's Fall, number one from Image, slash Top Cow. Okay, this is a crossover of Think Tank, The Tithe, and Postal, and I read one of those regularly, Think Tank. It's really good. So I had no idea who the characters from The Tithe, who are the main players here, and the characters from Postal, who may or may not even made an appearance, and I wouldn't know if they did, (laughs) were, or why they were trying to infiltrate a secret community in Montana called Eden. Matt Hawkins and Brian Hill are great on the script here, but you really need to be reading all three series if you want to keep up with Eden's Fall. I have to give it a skim it because of that. Good comic, just didn't know what was going on. Equilibrium number one from American Mythology Productions. We gushed about the movie last week, and I was really excited to go back to this world, but this comic was kind of a mess. The story is set a number of years after the film, where those that have reclaimed their emotions still fight against the rule of the oppressive Tetragrammaton with the help of some undercover clerics on the inside. That was my nickname in high school. Yeah. Pat Shan's story is compelling enough, though the characters make some baffling decisions. Jason Craig's art is really super inconsistent and almost impossible to follow during action scenes. I wanted to like this a lot more than I did, but it was kind of a letdown. I'm still curious enough to see where the story goes for now, so I'm giving Equilibrium a skim it, Barely. Wow. <laughs> Only because I want to see. I just want to see where it goes. Okay. Army of Darkness. Ash for president. Number one from Dynamite. Ash has been tasked with discovering which one of the presidential candidates is evil in disguise, and suddenly gets pushed into the race as the libertarian candidate after murdering him <laughs> on oh, camera. Yikes! Well, he got possessed by demons, and Ash shot him. And of course, the gun-toting libertarians were like, "Hey, I like that guy." Like most of the Army Darkness comics I've read in the past, this one was almost funny and serviceably drawn. But instead of pages and pages of deadite destruction, this issue devolves into campy political humor that was both unfunny and way too long. I'm giving this a leave it. It just didn't need it. Didn't work. You want a political comic with demons? Read Citizen Jack. Yeah, language. there you go. Detective Comics number 939 from DC. Tim Drake is front and center here, proving that he's the smartest and most capable member of the Bat family. Yeah, screw you, Chase Magnet. Yeah, James <laughs> Tinney in the fourth. That's and a Twitter Eddie- callback there. Yeah. <laughs> James Tinney in the fourth and Eddie Barrows continue to show that Detective Comics is the real MVP of DC Rebirth. Look, guys, there is some real <laughs> swirling around about how DC plans to kill off Tim Drake, and I don't get it, and I don't accept it. <laughs> Tinian is bringing back the Tim Drake that's been missing from the DCU for five years or more. Is it Tinian or Tinian? I don't know. Tinian. I'm just spelling it out. All right. Tinian. Uh, now I'm saying. Right. Hey, wow. Tinny, Tinny Tinian <laughs> says to trust him. Tinny Tinian. <laughs> yeah, I love that cartoon, Tinny Tinians. Oh, yeah, man, that was great. 
The Tinyan says to trust him, and I do. But my favorite characters have a tendency to die or start driving spikes into their privates. <laughs> so you can understand why I'd be a little nervous. Speedball callback. Yep. This was another great issue in a fun storyline with amazing art. What more do you want? Detective Comics gets a huge buy-it. TMNT Universe number one from IDW. I almost gave this one a skim it, and then I thought about it again, and I changed. This is billed as a new series that explores characters and storylines pivotal to the TMNT universe, but it really just feels like another... I didn't understand what it was. Yeah, it just feels like another Ninja Turtle comic to me. The art in the backup story by Bill Sienkiewicz is worth the price of admission alone. It was truly gorgeous, reminding me what I loved about the Turtles as a young Matt Bomb. Every time I read an IDW TMNT comic, I'm taken aback with how much respect they have for both the original Eastman and Laird titles and even the Archie Turtles. They kind of meshed them both together. It totally works. I don't know what this book is supposed to be. Maybe that's just it. Maybe it's supposed to examine all facets of the various interpretations. I guess, but I mean, but the regular book is like this too. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm giving it a buy it. I just don't really know why we need this one. <laughs> Libby's dad, one shot from Big Planet Retrofit. That's right. Two for two, Retrofit. Damn. This one shot by Eleanor Davis presents the memory of one summer night spent with friends, forever shadowed by rumors of terrible violence. Davis delivers some stunning colored pencil art and does a great job capturing the childhood feelings of gossip and doubt and how rumors can affect friends and families. This is another great one shot from Retrofit's batch of summer releases. Libby's dad gets a buy it. Broken Moon, Legends of the Deep, number one from American Gothic Press. This is the return of American Gothic's Broken Moon series, and original series writer Philip Kim is here to write the latest story arc about a village of fishermen on the coast of Nebraska. Yeah, some serious seismic <laughs> went down, apparently. Okay, all right. <laughs> Nat Jones did a great job with his Ben Templesmith-inspired art, drawing the horrors of the deep that plagued the new Nebraskan seaboard. I never read the first series, but I was able to jump right into this creepy little read. You know what? I like Nat Jones because he does everything that Ben Templesmith used to do that I liked until Ben Templesmith wandered off into making everything so blurry you cannot tell what is going on in his books. You know? <laughs> I love Ben Templesmith. I'm giving Broken Moon Legends of the Deep a buy it. X-Files Origins, number one from IDW. This is an interesting pair of tales fleshing out the events that molded young Mulder and Scully into the characters we know and love. Jody Hauser and Matthew Dow Smith, not that Matthew Smith, Ooh, never gonna get present it. a pair of fitting stories, a potential abduction mystery for Mulder and a more down-to-earth murder investigation for Scully. But the art, the art seemed like a really weird choice for this franchise. Chris Finoglio and Corin Howell do a fine job individually. The, the art is good, but their styles seem like they would be more at home in an animated, like, adventure yeah, yeah, style. Yeah, very cartoony. Cartoon adaptation than The X-Files. It's like, it did not fit. It's an odd choice. But I would I, say I've never been happy with any of the art of these X-Files books at IDW, honestly. I. Like, they're all pretty good, but the art was always just like, what are you doing? I mean, I like Matthew Dow Smith. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it was okay. The art choice was jarring. I got to give X-Files Origin a skim it. Monty the Dinosaur, number one from Action Lab. Bob France is a stay-at-home dad that came up with Monty with help from his four-year-old daughter. After a successful Kickstarter, this makes the second comic in the adult child creative team genre alongside... Cop. <laughs> Monty is dinosaur looking for a friend, which is hard when you're a giant lizard with big sharp teeth. Gene Franco's cartooning is perfectly adorable here, and the script is made to be read to your kids. 
I read Money the Dinosaur to my pug Mabel, and she loved it. So buy it. I'm glad you picked this. Bob France is one of our Twitter buddies. I didn't even oh. know that he had a book coming out. It was really cute. It was really, really cute. Awesome. Rick and Morty colon Little Poopy Superstar number two from Oni. I adore Rick and Morty, and I even thought that the first few issues of the comic adaptation were pretty great. But this series takes a relatively minor one-note character and tries to force an entire story out of him. Sarah Grayley writes and draws this miniseries, and I think her art is fun. It's reminiscent of the show style without being chained to it. But the story straight up sucks. (laughs) Really? Yes, it's sophomoric, it's unfunny, and it lacks the biting wit of the original. It's just an excuse for the characters to run around saying poopy, 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 poopy for 22 pages. Cool. Like, I... I read two of them back to back, and I was just so annoyed yeah, by the time I was done. Sounds lame. This just seems like an attempt to cash in on a popular series, and it fails big time for me. Yeah. I'm giving Rick and Morty, Little Poopy Superstar, a leave it. <laughs> that is your ludicrous speed round and ring. Is your done? Thank you. Is your onomatopoeia of the week and the sound of candidate Ash firing up his chainsaw, as seen in the pages of Army of Darkness? Ash for president number one. If you want even more reviews of this week's comics, head over to twitternerd.com and check out the recently sainted Aaron Myers. He is Jewish. It's a bit of a controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he's still the saint of the quarter bin. I mean, you know. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. And his ludicrous speedrun reviews. He's always timely. Every week, it's ever true. faithful. It's true. You can pick up these and all the rest of this week's new comics through our new Amazon button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. It's awesome. We're definitely going to try to get put up We're on the website this week. It's going to happen. It's a great way to get your funny books and support the show. Yeah. If the button's not there, there will be a link in the show notes. You go through it. Go shopping. We get a little kickback. It's Anything great. you buy through that link, you shop as normal. It's just that THN gets a tiny little cut. Yeah, when you buy, you know, your deodorant. We reach uh, into Jeff Bezos' pocket (laughs) and we say thank you. (laughs) This week in the Sanctum Sanctorum, we're having a private canonization of our own. All this Mother Teresa sainthood BS got our wheels spinning. Last week was Jack Kirby's birthday, and it only seems right for us to start the process of canonizing King Kirby as the saint of comic book illustrators. Also Jewish. That, that's not the point. Okay. <laughs> Joe, I like to get out our funny Pope hats and try to find the contact us info on the Vatican's homepage. Why don't you tell the nerds what you're pumped to read about next week? I assume it's that easy, right? <laughs> like they got a, like, a little button that's like follow the Vatican yeah, on Twitter. It's like info at Pope backslash, you know, uh, the Vatican yeah. dot com. <laughs> I mean, he does have a Twitter account. It's yeah. at Pontifex. Yeah, there you go. Which is badass. I don't think he's actually tweet like the Donald Trump Twitter. I don't think. He's well, well, I actually mean, Donald Trump I bet is. the words, though, are the Pope's. It's just that he's got a, like an intern or yeah, a, yeah. a lesser bishop. <laughs> those tweets out. He's got a Jewish intern. Yeah, I'm sure. My <laughs> pick for next week is Eclipse number one from Image Comics. It's another slight week next week. I, I, I kind of had a hard time making a pick. Yeah, it is pretty light. Which is not to say anything bad about Eclipse number one from Image Comics, but I have never heard of creators Zachary Kaplan or Giovanni Timpano I in like my his entire name. life. That's a good name. It's 32 pages for $3.99. It's got a cool looking astronaut cover. Yeah. Here's your solicit. Imagine if sunlight burned you alive. That would suck. Yeah. In the near future, a mysterious solar event has transformed the sun's light 
into deadly immolating rays. Nice use of immolating. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) The world's few survivors now live in nocturnal cities, but a killer emerges who uses sunlight to burn his victims. And when he targets the daughter of a solar power mogul, it falls to a disillusioned solar engineer to protect her. Weird. It's like a cool sci-fi murder mystery. Yeah, yeah. Sounds crazy. The cover looks really cool. Cool. So in a light week, this is a new thing, and I think it looks pretty fun. There you go. Yeah, it's a good week to check out some new stuff next week, like Skyborn, number one, from Boom. It's written and illustrated by Frank Cho. 32 pages. That asshole. $3.99. I like Frank Cho. He is who he is, you know, and he stands by it. Whatever. Like him or hate him, guy's a great artist. Can't argue. True. A new original series from celebrated creator Frank Cho, who's been working on Totally Awesome Hulk and Savage Wolverine. It's full of fast-paced action. Skyboard is James Bond with fantasy elements thrown in and is unlike anything Cho has ever done before. The legend of King Arthur is alive and well in modern day. Only one man, Skyborn, can stop the evil Merlin from destroying the world. So he wanted to beat Fox to the punch in recreating King Arthur for modern day mm-hmm. as a modern day procedural. I don't think so. I think this <laughs> that's is, really happening, by the way. Just, yeah, yeah. So stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him about the THN trade of the week, Joe. The THN trade of the week goes to Angel Catbird Volume 1 hardcover from Dark Horse Comics. It's written by Margaret Atwood, whose name I mistakenly cut out of this blurb, Oops. with art by Johnny Christmas. It's 112 pages for $14.99. Pretty good for a hardcover. Here's your solicit. Internationally best-selling and respected novelist Margaret Atwood and acclaimed artist Johnny Christmas collaborate for one of the most highly anticipated comic book and literary events. Johnny Christmas is a great f- name. Of 2016. <laughs> Um, yeah, we like John Christmas. He did that book sheltered. Oh yeah. Yes. A young genetic engineer is accidentally mutated by his own experiment when his DNA is merged with that of a cat and an owl. Whoa. Yikes. What follows is a humorous action driven pulp inspired superhero adventure with a lot of cat puns. Okay. So here's why I picked this for, uh, the dummies in the audience, like myself and Matt Baum. Margaret Atwood is a pretty damn big deal in the literary world. She is a huge name. We wouldn't know that because we don't read no books. Yeah, you know, she doesn't write comics yeah. until now. Sorry. Uh, no, no books without pictures. Right. Anyway. Uh, she's perhaps best known for her 1985 novel, The Handmaiden's Tale. Oh, yeah. And that book has been adapted for film, radio, theater, ballet, opera, and an upcoming 10-part miniseries on Hulu. Jesus. It's famous. Holy craps. In the 30 years since it has been published, it has never once gone out of print. Okay. Uh, Margaret Atwood is legit famous as an author, and she is like, I want to write a graphic novel. About a- and Dark Horse said, you bet, Margaret Atwood. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, here it is. Uh, Johnny Christmas, as we discussed, was the artist on Image Sheltered, which Matt really liked a lot. I loved Sheltered. I unfortunately did not stay caught up, but Very we did one. review number one together. You can pre-order this one through our Amazon button for ten ninety nine. What? That's cheap, huh? So Angel, uh, Angel Catbird, it's uh, it's a big deal. Unlike with a lot of novelists that come to comics, and we're just like, oh man. Chuck Palahniuk wants to slum it in the comics industry. <laughs> uh, and the results are kind of mixed. Yeah. Uh, I do not love his Fight Club 2. Yeah. I, I didn't either. Specifically don't love right. it. Right. Uh, Margaret Atwood, though, is it, it's like 
It, it's like if Shel Silverstein or uh, that's a bad example. Yeah. He's a poet, but she's also a poet. It's like if Judy Bloom said, I want to write comics. I don't think you need to qualify it. I, I know, but, like, <laughs> I she's really a huge yeah, name. It's huge. Yeah. And I think it's very cool. Yeah. Dark Horse is good at this stuff. Yeah. So those are our must read picks for next week, kids. Head over to twoheadednerd.com where, like I said, you can pre-order these comics and more through our Amazon button. Oh, and tell us what you're excited to read next week. In the seemingly lawless dumpster fire that is fandom, one two-headed judge is dealing out justice with an uru metal gavel in hand. One nerd will be called to the stand to defend their questionable tastes in front of Judge Joe and Matt. This is The Defenders. Today on The Defenders, answer the week regular Dean Murray has been subpoenaed and will be sharing his defense of what has become the nastiest word in the Star Wars universe, midichlorians. Now, let's hear Dee's argument and find out if Judge Joe and Matt will give a ruling of f***ing awesome or f***ing awful. <laughs> Mr. Murray, please approach the bench and present your defense. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we talked about a lot of things today. There is no jury. We talked about <laughs> what midichlorian are. Midichlorian are microscopic symbiotic organisms that live inside of everything. Plants, animals, life beings like ourselves. We talked about where midichlorian comes from. All my favorite from. life beings. It comes from an unknown planet that Yoda himself has traveled to. Yoda has traveled there to learn more about the midichlorian and the force so he can gain more knowledge about the afterlife and use those techniques for if and when he passes away. We learned how much midichlorian you have to have inside of your body to even exhibit Jedi powers. The average person has about 2,000 to 2,500 midichlorian inside of their body. You have to have at least 5,000 midichlorian to exhibit Jedi force powers. We talked about how Tim Broas and Anakin Skywalker were both born of the Force. Tim Broas had 15,000 midichlorian inside of his body. Anakin Skywalker had 20,000, and notably, the most midichlorian out of any Jedi or Sith known throughout history. We talked about the light and dark side of the Force. We talked about how the Sith was known firstly as a race of people. They were known as a race of people and they began to change their ways and become an idea. Change the name of their race to an ideology, a philosophy. The Sith philosophy. And with that idea, born, gave birth to the Sith. And the Jedi, much the same way, had their own order. They had many republics, old and new republic. They have many techniques, such as force healing. And the Sith has something called midichlorian manipulation. So that means they can manipulate the microscopic intelligent organisms that we know are inside of all of us. With those techniques, like Darth Plagueis used to bring loved ones back from the life or to cure someone from dying, much like the Jedi force heal. We talked about a lot of things today. The argument we're both, we're all trying to make here is that midichlorian are a good thing. They don't need to be a single force idea. They don't need to be sentimental. Just because the midichlorian is here in the world does not take away from the idea of the force. I think it strengthens it. It makes it better. It makes it more powerful because now we have a name to it. Now we have logic. 
we have chronicles to what midichlorian really is. Instead of just thinking to ourselves that the force is just a force and it gives you the ability to lift things up, to choke people, to run really fast, is, is much more than that. It's much like alchemy when you really wind it down. It's a mix of magic and science. I, I think midichlorian, as most Jedi said in the past, midichlorian is a link between itself and the other life. And if I can take a passage from Qui-Gon Jinn, he said, without, without the midichlorian, life cannot exist. And we have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speak to you. To me, that is a great idea. Because midichlorian are a great thing. We should not forsake midichlorian and focus more on the Force because they're a light and dark size. It's all about how you use it. That is my closing argument. I do hope you agree with me. I pass it back to the two-headed nerd. Thank you all. Thank you, Mr. Murray. Be seated. Why doesn't anybody end their uh, defense by saying the defense rests? Yeah. Come on, you guys. I rest my case. Come on. (laughs) I have to admit something. I did find myself compelled by several of these points. Okay. So there. I mean, fine. I'm not saying he doesn't have a lot of good points. He brings up good points in the realm of that prequel explanation for the force. Sure. My problem is I hated the prequel explanation for the force. So the thing that I loved about the force is that before any of that crap, it was mysterious. It was just this energy. It was this thing. And if you, Joe Patrick, if you worked hard enough and you concentrated and you trained, you could be a Jedi. Now, when it turns out, nope, you got to have the right amount of but space But not everybody bugs. could be a Jedi. Well, not everyone, because you, but who knows why? Because maybe you can't focus. Maybe not you're too busy. Not enough That's Here's what I'm saying. The chance was there. It was this mystical thing. But no, it turns out you have to have a certain number of space bugs in your butt. Otherwise, you can't be a Jedi. I mean, come on. Okay. That just sucks. So... <laughs> D said the way D phrased it and also that quote from Qui-Gon Jinn towards the end there made it sound like midichlorians were not responsible for the force. Midichlorians were almost the tool with which human beings connect with the force. Which still like having an antenna on your TV. I I get it. But I still I just I don't know. I here's the thing. Whenever you go in and try and remove the mystery behind something that was perfectly mysterious that we don't need to know about. You know, like in Kung Fu, old Kung Fu movies, when guys ran up walls or like jumped off cliffs and lived and like didn't get hurt at all. You were just like, well, that guy's a badass. You know, like he trained so much that he can literally fly through the air and kick people's heads off. You know, fine. We don't need an explanation. The Jedis were badasses because it connected with this thing. It was mysterious. Go. When they try and remove that mystery, 
it's it's the same thing as like when when we you know whenever we get a remake of a horror movie and we decide oh no it can't just be Jason is you know evil right. and unstoppable. Freddy is a child molester. Turns out Jason was a retarded right. kid that everybody right. made fun of. Like come yeah. on, in, <laughs> you know. In the Rob Zombie or whoever remade a Nightmare on Elm Street. No, that was Halloween. Is what no, Rob no. Zombie. Remade. Yes, I understand. Yeah. But uh, whoever remade Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street, Street yeah. uh, they recast Freddy Krueger as. An accused child molester who yeah. was innocent and lynched, which yeah. means he's the hero. Right. Like, don't do that. You're taking the mystery away. Yeah. I don't need it. I just, it just didn't need it. And it made the whole idea of the force seem so much more exclusive to me and like over explained. And I guarantee Abrams does not touch this crap with a 10 foot pole. Oh, I agree. So here's where I, here's where I come down on it. I have gone the last 20 years since the prequel started rolling out absolutely in the same place as you hating the idea of midichlorians. What is this nonsense? Why, why, why? Right. But I have to say that D presented it in a light and this is not a joke. D was able to present it in a light that made me think of it differently for the first time ever. I will say his argument was excellent. It's the best one I've heard. It's the best pro midichlorian argument I've heard. And well, ultimately, I'm going to come down on the side of not needing the midichlorians. Yes. Because working too hard to explain the force. It kills it. Does a disservice to the idea. Yeah. Uh, but there's also an argument to be made that Lucas has been trying to shoehorn explanations for the force and for the Jedi into all of his Star oh, Wars yeah. fiction <laughs> since the minute the first movie came out. It's true. It's true. I feel that the force is uh, just that it is a force that needs no explanation. Yes. And the idea of tying it to science and making it more close, uh, anchoring it more closely to reality kind of dilutes the contrast between Luke and Ben. Right. And Yoda. Yeah. And everybody else. Yeah. And just the mystery behind all of it. Right. The Sith and the Jedi, you know, like, you know, I, that I don't want it. Han Solo and he's like, all I need is a trusted blaster, not some hokey space religion. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, it's sci if you, if you say, well, but it's science, Han. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that kind of messes with that. It's not a space religion, Han. I've got a bunch of bugs that swim inside yeah. me. And if when I'm really quiet, they can talk to me. You know, so, <laughs> I, no. uh, my verdict, my vote is that midichlorians are awful. I'm with you. But. I'm only saying it that way because it's the only, yeah, we have, uh, we only yeah. have two options, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is why I want to rework this segment, but I have to give D a lot of credit because yes. he did make a very compelling argument. That is the best argument I've ever heard pro midichlorian for, for out of all of the arguments that people have made on the defenders where we went in knowing exactly what we were going to vote. Right. <laughs> D came the closest to actually changing my mind. Fair enough. So good job. D. Nice job. D. If you've got some questionable nerd taste that you're eager to defend in front of the whole damn internet, Head to the THN forums and post a brief snippet of your subject and defense in the Defenders Forum, and you just might get served a subpoena to appear in front of the two-headed judge. Dun, dun, dun. We are tough but fair. Yes, tough but fair, like Judge Joe Brown. Yeah. Sort of break it, break it down like down this. Down like this. this.
That is it for THN episode 263. If you like podcasts or humiliate your peers, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, do us a favor, leave us some ratings, some reviews, stars, thumbs up, hearts, whatever. It helps us connect with other potential listeners, guys. Thank you to all of our donors. And if you want to help keep our gavels polished. We have one gavel. We share it. We have two heads. Yeah, but I like to have my own gavel just to make me what feel you mean, your own gavel. We share a body. This illusion is <laughs> <laughs> You can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. To become a sustaining member, simply check the box that says make this donation monthly when you donate. Remember, as little as a dollar a month really does help. It helps us pay fees, helps us pay for hosting, helps us pay for equipment, helps us pay for things when they break, like we need new mic cables. Yes. All of these things have happened and will happen again. Might need a new computer soon. And <laughs> your support means the world to us to keep the show going. If you're one of those poor bastards that doesn't have a local comic book shop, you can shop for all of your funny books through our customized Amazon link which we will soon be posting at twoheadednerd.com. For now, it'll be in the show notes. And when you click on that link and then just do your Amazon shopping as normal, we get a small kickback and yeah. everyone wins. You don't even have to buy comics. Buy it's not going to cost you anything extra. No. You can buy turlet paper or cat litter. Sure. Or five-gallon drums of lube. Action figures. Wow. Jesus, dude. <laughs> this is a very famous story where George Takei reviewed the five-gallon drum of lube. <laughs> On Amazon.com. <laughs> if you want to yell at us personally, head over to twoheadednerd.com where you can find links to all of our contact info. We're on Periscope. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. You can find our cocktail recipes and the outtake of the week on Tumblr. And more importantly, you can find the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Use that number to answer the question of the week, to talk to us, to be a part of any one of our segments. We want you guys on the show because it makes it less work for us. Honestly, every time we don't have to come up with a final segment it is like winning the lottery (laughs) if you dig the music you hear on the show subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on spotify by searching for matt bombs spotify profile it probably bears mentioning since we were discussing it just the other day we claim no rights to any of the music that we play on this show and we do our very best to credit every single person in the show notes and every time i play it they get paid so eat it lawyers before we go our weekly shout out goes to our buddy Bill Hester. Last week, THN historian Jason Sachs, our other buddy, published a heartbreaking article in Comics Bulletin detailing the health scares that Bill went through in the last year. It was bad, like a gypsy curse bad, okay? And what it's taken to battle back from them. We're happy to report Bill is doing a lot better now. But the article also served to remind why organizations like the Hero Initiative are so important to the lives of freelance comic creators, especially those that have passed into their retirement years. Word to you, Phil. We love you. We are glad you're doing well. I saw him not too long ago. Did not recognize the dude. So true. Oh, my God. He's lost so much weight. To everyone else, if you want to give back to the creators whose work has meant so much to all of us, consider donating to the Hero Initiative today. We'll have a link to that in our notes as well. Real quick, a secondary shout out to occasional love slave Kevin Coffey and his wife Ashley. They had a baby. They had their second kid. Yes. Elliot. He looks like a 50-year-old man in baby form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pissed to come out of there, man. <laughs> you should see the picture. Everybody's doing great. It's a good-looking family. Love those guys. Elliot. It's a good name. I like yeah. that. That's, thank you for naming your kid something real, you know? Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer might just name your first child after a Pokemon Go character like Executor. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 200 Nerd. Signing off. And this is my son. 
Executor Bomb. <laughs> Gengar. Gengar. <laughs>